Hello and welcome along to episode 128 of Tommy G Talks. In this short but sweet episode, we're going to be talking about three key areas. One is social media metrics and why I've lost over 500 followers in the last few months. We're also going to be talking about email marketing. So if you're a business owner, stay tuned for that. Could be some opportunities to increase your revenue in there. And then we're going to be talking about how to deal with and manage toxicity in the workplace. So if there's that one person at work you just don't seem to see eye to eye with, then this will definitely help you. As always, we'd love to know your thoughts, opinions, and um, any questions that you might have through social media. So just send me a message at Tommy Gentleman. And if you're listening for the first time, please follow me because I'm losing followers. Without further ado, <laughs> let's get in to today's episode. And so... Here's what we're going to do today. I'm here with Kendall and Charlie. Say hello, guys. Hello. Hi, everyone. They are real. They are here. And um, we're going to be going off the questions that I've had on Instagram stories over the last 24 hours. I have, I have an idea of what they could be. Obviously, I've seen them. But I don't know which ones you're going to choose. And we, we're going to keep it short and sweet today. So, Kendall, what's going to happen first? What's our first question, please? So, we're going for a personal social media question. Someone asked, why have you lost followers? Why have I lost followers? You know, I was excited about this question because I think it's cool. I think it's interesting. So I I accrued a lot of followers um, off the back of my book launch, which was 2019. And all of the followers that I gained were through a combination of organic uh, content and paid content. What I mean by paid content is content that I was putting in front of people as a way of bringing them into my world to catch their attention in the first place. And it worked very well. And I was getting um, a lot of results from it, a lot of interaction, a lot of people very interested and engaging, sending me lots of messages. And it's a great way of building an audience. You've got to put your money where your mouth is and you've got to be able to know that your content is good, otherwise people won't follow you. Um, there's other ways to gain followers which aren't very helpful because that metric doesn't give you anything in return, doesn't give you any audience, it's empty, it's problematic. But with this, I literally gave people videos that I'd made with content from my book and they liked it and the caption simply said, if you like this kind of thing, follow me. And so people did follow me, lots of people, thousands of people. But over the last 18 months, that following count has been dropping. And the reason it's been dropping is because, not to say a fucking genius to work it out, I don't really post anything anymore. Um, and when I do post something, if you look at the last few posts that I've done, I don't know, the last 20 posts, they're very different to what I was posting when I was meeting these people and gaining their attention. And so the, um, I guess, moral of the story really is if audience drops off, that's okay because it's all relative to what you're doing now. They don't have to stay. You don't like something, you leave, right? So either I'm just really boring and full of shit these days and no one wants to follow me, or um, it's simply because the content that they came for is not what they're getting now. And so people, of course, are allowed to unfollow. Now, the I must admit, the initial thought is like, oh no, like what, what should I do? But actually, I quite like it because it sort of represents the reality. And I think that's really important with social media. It should represent reality. So um, to the person who noticed my following is going down, I think you should like, you know, get a life um stop looking at my following account for the for, for starters like there's more interesting things to look at um but it was also but also thank you because it gave me the opportunity to talk about it and to sort of teach people a little bit about how it works and you know how it happened and why it's dropping off it's um it doesn't take a genius to work it out the content's changed 
businesses, I get messages quite a lot of time from people saying, oh, I'm looking to buy a, uh, an account with a big following. Unless you built that account, unless you are going to continue doing the same content, there's really no point. About eight years ago, um, I was brought in as an admin of a Facebook page that somebody bought, and I was given the chance to make the content for it. People were leaving left, right, and center because it wasn't the content they came for. It's very important to realize. It's like, it's like getting people into a theater, starting the show, they've all bought a ticket to watch the show, and then sort of 20 minutes in, you just sort of change it from a drama to a comedy, people are going to leave. Good thing is, though, of course, people are going to come and people will want the comedy, they will want the drama, for example. Um, that's the beauty of it. But the expectation needs to be dropped um, because you actually don't need that to be happy. It's very important also to, to remember that. So, yeah, well, that's what I've got to say on that. How much did it drop by? I, I mean, I think the highest it was 15.4 thousand, which, you know, to some is a lot, to others it's not. Um, that was the highest that it got to. I think I'm on like 14.6 now. So I've nearly lost a thousand. Oh, that's not a crazy drop. It's not, but it is still significant. Yeah, but I think for someone to notice, I thought it was going to be more than that. I mean, it sort of says a lot about the person that's looking at it. Um, it's all good. We're all friends here. Um, so yeah, what? What's next? All right, now we're going to move to email marketing. And yes. the question was, what is the best way to use an email newsletter? Great. So again, um, similar to the last one, the audience is very important. People need to be there because they want to be there. Otherwise, they'll leave or they just ignore you. Um, we've had it again where people have bought email lists, big email lists, and then thought that that would be the thing that would help them to achieve their goals in business. If You, you know what it's like when you receive an email. You receive an email that offends you, rubs it the wrong way, just gets you on a bad day, and you think, oh, fuck off. You unsubscribe or, you know, some people unsubscribe for all kinds of reasons, you know. Ultimately, when someone unsubscribes, it's because they don't want that anymore. So what's the best way to use email newsletters? First of all, give people what they came for. What, what are they interested in? Why are they on your list in the first place? And it should be your list that you've grown organically. Otherwise, you're risking, uh, it's a risk. Tactically, it's a risk. So if it's your list, if it's your community, your audience, your people, the best way to use a newsletter is to engage and offer value. Always offer value. Always offer something that's going to make them smile. I think that's so underestimated in marketing and in life. Anything that makes someone smile is generally a good thing. It's generally a good idea to do that. So with your next email newsletter, just have a little think about how you can help someone to smile when they open that email newsletter. Because if you can do that, then you've sort of unlocked door number one of rapport building, which then gives you the opportunity, and it's not an entitlement, it's an opportunity to put your point across about your product or your services or what it is that you're doing or what you're up to. So the best way to use an email newsletter is always lead with value, never to expect anything but to earn it. And then once you get into the swing of it and you get into a flow and people are in the habit of buying every now and again, that's when you can start getting a little bit technical, like we do, at Tide 55, when we run email newsletters for clients, there's a very specific way of doing it for sales. It's a science and an art. I could talk about it for 10 hours and you probably still wouldn't get the full depth of it. Um, you know, just me talking, I've spent a lot of time studying it. Um, we all have and we execute on it every day here at Tide. So yeah, 
hopefully that helps no matter what sort of level of business you're at with your newsletter if you're not doing one start doing one. Oh, that was my next question i was going to say do you think every business should be doing an email newsletter i think it should be um, a case of being in front of mind and in the same way as you would be on social media you should be sending out email newsletters that offer value and engage with your community if you jump straight in if you haven't sent anything for a while and you jump straight in with a sale you might make some sales but long term it will cause more damage to your list because they'll remember and they'll be like oh I haven't heard it's like that friend that comes up like a friend that sort of just turns up and is like you're right," and you're like what the fuck do you want <laughs> you literally only come to me when you want something and then they sure enough go oh can you do me a favour and it's like so in most cases that's okay but when an email newsletter comes in that's not your friend that's a company that you bought some trainers from once or you bought like I don't know some jewellery from once or whatever it is that you've done so you've got to bear that in mind and build relationships yeah Okay. I am actually going to go back to social because I want to ask a different question. Okay. Someone asked, is social enough? But I want to go for a, like, for a business's digital marketing strategy. Is social enough? Any business with a revenue over £150,000 a year needs more than just social. The end. Any business under turnover revenue of 150,000 roughly a year you probably could um, if you've got no ambition to grow and you're okay with where you're at you probably could just do Facebook Instagram LinkedIn Twitter TikTok etc but like when we use our three stages of digital marketing here at Type 55 we aim to move people into stage two stage two is not just about having a few posts going out every now and again stage two is about having a fully all-encompassing approach to digital marketing which is the Mercedes-Benz of the digital marketing world now. It's having an email newsletter, it's having social media, it's having paid traffic, the things that I've already talked about. It's having SEO on your website, it's having a landing page that's suited to capture the attention and data that you need. It's about the follow-up, the upsell opportunities, the categorizing of your data on the back end. It's about video content on YouTube, it's about podcasts, it's about engagement, it's not enough. If you're if you're a business that is serious about growing and you have because this is the thing, it's not it's not cheap and it's not easy to do yourself, you've got to pay for it. So the reason one of the reasons why I say they need to be of that sort of size at least is because people, business owners, need to be in a situation where they're contemplating employing somebody. And if you're contemplating employing somebody to come in and do social media, for fuck's sake, don't underestimate how hard that is. I'll just get some young lad in or a young lady in to come and do social media because they're good at it. Just because they've got a Twitter account or a TikTok account does not mean they're good at it. It's a science and an art. That's disrespectful and naive. I hear it all the time, you know? And I feel passionately about it because it's, of course, what we're trying to overcome here is bring a level of quality, practiced and proven strategies that work to a company. And so what has to happen is that the company, instead of, possibly, not always, Employing somebody, either at an entry level or at a costly level, um, depending on the sort of uh, person that they're looking at, they will always get a better deal coming with us or other agencies, but most likely just us because we care more than most agencies. And I'm happy to say that on the record because I've seen. But if they come to us and the clients that do come to us, they inherit all of us. They inherit you, they inherit us, they inherit me, they inherit the rest of the team that aren't here. 
but they pay less than they would pay for that top branch employee to come in. So they're getting probably better quality that they'll get for someone who's entry level, for sure, 100% better, but they'll be paying less for that position to be filled by more than one person if they were paying one person. Of course, there's benefits to having employees. Of course there is. But another great thing about the way that that's done is it becomes an outgoing, but it's not wages. It's a contractor coming in doing some work. Of course, that's great for your accounts. So I think more companies will and should look to outsource, but it's very important that the agency that you're working with or the people that you're working with are on your wavelength, that there's a level playing field, you know, that the clients and the, and the company respect each other at the same level and there's an understanding there. And that's in flux, by the way, that always moves and changes. And that ultimately, the agency wants the same thing as you. If they don't, then you might have a problem. Yeah. So um, that's really interesting to talk about from my point of view because it kind of gives me the opportunity to let the listener into the more intricate parts of what we're doing and what I'm doing here. And I'm sure if somebody was to listen to episode seven of this podcast and then listen to this episode, it would be completely, it would be, you know, pillars apart. But as I've always said, this podcast is run parallel to my life and it always will. And I'll be able to offer value to anybody that's also on a similar journey. And so it's nice to talk about that. Yes, yeah, so I had that. I and mean, I thought, as you were talking about email marketing, I thought, wow, I shouldn't have skipped it. You have to change it around. <laughs> I appreciate it. Okay, last question is, how to deal with toxic work relationships? Well, how do you deal with me? <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Seriously. <laughs> Just like check, yeah, check your face or expression. <laughs> I think it's, it's um, I mean, it's, we make a joke, right? But it's not laugh. It's not a laughing matter. Um, toxic relationships in any area of life isn't, isn't helpful. And sometimes it's very difficult to, to change. Well, it's always difficult to change somebody else. It's always, it's actually impossible. Maybe know that, but it's actually impossible to change anybody else other than yourself. And so what I'm trying to say here is the person, the individual or, or people in the organisation that you feel are toxic and have a toxic relationship with you, that's a matter for themselves. You can't change that. All you can control and change is your own perception, your own internal dialogue, so what you're saying to yourself about what's going on in front of your eyes and how you communicate with that person. And if you take away the meaning, if they hold meaning for you, um, so that you're always waiting for them to say or do certain things because then that will make me feel bad and that will make me feel angry, then you're always setting yourself up to feel that. And so it's about building a different framework inside of your mind so that when those things happen and unfold in front of you, you're not sending yourself into a downward spiral of anger and fear and sadness and hurt and being offended and feeling guilty as well. That's another one. And those emotions there that I've mentioned, by the way, anger, sadness, hurt, guilt and fear are the five negative emotions that hold human beings back in life. And so if you have a relationship in, in work, then unfortunately you've got to put up with that because you both there work, work together. You've got to be able to manage your emotions no matter what that means to you. You have to be able to find a way to do that. But what I will say finally is that when you have a toxic relationship at work, there is always one thing that can solve any clash or any conflict at work. And that is the fact that you're both there for the same reason. Ultimately, at the highest level, you're both there because you selfishly want to earn money to provide for your family and be secure in life, 
or self-actualizationally, you care about something and you're passionate about the same stuff. So just like you can have sports people on the same team that don't see eye to eye but get on on the pitch because they both want the same thing, it is possible, in my opinion, to achieve that in a workplace no matter how the personalities might clash. And it's down to the leadership within that organization to see that and help that. But don't rely on that because we all have to self-lead every now and again. And the worst that can happen is that you leave, find another job where somebody, others are able to appreciate you and it's a bit more positive for you in your life. And uh, that's a whole new thing. That's a whole different topic, by the way. But really it rides on having that self-belief that you are worth more or the same as what you're at even. It doesn't need to be more, it could be the same, just in a different building or a different workspace, you know. There's plenty of options out there, so. Work is where you pour your energy, remember that. It's not work, it's what you pour your energy into. So, it matters. I hope that helps, by the way, anyone that's uh, in a situation like that. We could talk about that for hours, but obviously we're keeping it short and sweet today. So if you have got a follow-up question on that point, or any of the points that we've made today, do contact me directly on Instagram at Tommy Gentleman, T-O-M-M-Y, G-E-N-T-L-E-M-A-N, because there's one of me, not M-E-N, pet hate, at Tommy Gentleman. Um, maybe that's what's happening. Maybe everyone's <laughs> just like at in the wrong dude. That's why I don't get many messages. Yeah, <laughs> that's followers, yeah. They're all following that guy instead of me. He's just like mugging me off. But yeah, follow follow me. No, don't, don't. I don't need you. You can leave, it's fine. But if you want to follow me, then do. And send a message at Tommy Gentleman if you'd like to get involved in the conversation. So we'll be back, back in next week. We have got a guest coming up um, soon. I've booked it in, but I can't remember when it is. It might be next week. It might be the week after. But we'll definitely be running a similar format, just having another person with us, either on Zoom or in person. So we'll look forward to that. Thanks for listening. We'd love to know a little bit more about you, where you're at in the world, what brought you to this podcast in the first place, and um, what you think of it. That's that's nice to know sometimes. So at Tommy Gentleman, if that's something you'd like to part with, that information, that'd be great. Kendall, have you got anything else to add? No, that's all good. Well, thank you for your help today. Thanks, Charlie, for being here, filming this. Uh, If you're watching the videos... How you doing? Um, if you're listening to the podcast, don't forget to tell all your mates about it. Get them involved and we'll see you again soon. Thanks. Bye-bye.